Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who along with Daryl Morey co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good morning and welcome to the 2021 Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is Kurt Bullard and I'm a first year MBA student at Sloan. And it is my pleasure to introduce our panel, Quantify This, Value in Sports Sponsorships presented by Bose. Our panelists today are Rini Anderson, EVP of NFL Partnerships, Brendan Lynch, Global EVP of Enterprise and Revenue at Ticketmaster, and Catherine Carlson, CRO at the Philadelphia Eagles. Our panel today will be moderated by Kat Frederick, former CEO at Live Nation. The panel will run for 35 minutes, and then we will leave 10 minutes for Q&A at the end of the session. Please use both the chat on the right side of the window for discussions during the panel and the Q&A option as well, or alternatively using the Twitter hashtag sponsored content. Questions will then be selected by the moderator at the end of the panel. With that, I'll turn it over to Kat. Thank you, Kurt. Um, and thanks everyone for being here today. As all of us are keenly aware of how consumer and brand expectations move at the pace of technology, 2020 threw a new wrinkle into uh, all of our strategic plans but it also taught us an incredible lesson in creativity, adaptability, and reimagination. Um, the sponsorship and partnership space was absolutely no different. Um, so thank you to my co-panelists, Rini Anderson from the NFL, Katherine Carlson from the Eagles, and Brennan Lynch from Ticketmaster as we dive into this topic and uh, the evolution we've seen in the last year. Um, so let's start with a year ago uh, at Sloan was probably the last time I was on a plane. Um, but take us back a year ago to March. Uh, what was the initial reaction in your organizations when faced with the, the current pandemic? And what was critical to think about? Rini, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think this time last year, we were thinking about how are we going to do the NFL draft, which is in a couple of weeks. And what was interesting during that time I don't think anyone knew I, you know, that it was going to, you know, last as long as the pandemic has lasted, and we would have to adapt and evolve and really pivot a lot. And you said the word "cat" reimagine a lot. And at this time last year, we were probably doing a variety of virtual calls, making sure one, how does these virtual calls even work? We didn't even know this was a thing, really, other than using your phone. And how can we potentially use that type of technology? to help bring the draft to the country. And thankfully with our partners, they really leaned into their expertise and helped us. And from, uh, from Bose, who is sponsoring this event, uh, which is you know awesome because they're the best noise canceling headphones on the planet, um, to Verizon, to Amazon Web Services and Microsoft Teams, really leaning in to us with their expertise on how can we bring NFL players for future NFL players, coaches, um, our staff, every single owner, human you see on the draft to uh, the living room. And so at this point, I don't think we'd have it, had it figured out. I think we were, tr we were trying to figure it out, but uh, we were getting to that point for sure. Brendan, I mean, you, you, what I love about this panel is that there's a variety of stakeholders from Ticketmaster who sits both as a B2C provider, but also a B2B service provider. How does this 
um, shape your, your, your thinking within a company. Yeah. It, uh, going back the year ago, right. A is, is a painful thing to, to, to think about. Um, but the first thing that we really did, uh, with our, with our clients was to, you know, take the step back and say, what is the most important thing for us to focus on? And, uh, you know, really there were operational challenges, uh, as you think about all the events that started moving, all the refunds, uh, that went back out, um, and all of the fans that wanted to understand what was happening with the events that they were planning, um, a massive operational undertaking. And so, um, most of our early conversations were really about, uh, really about that. Um, and so how do we, you know, partner with our clients? understand you know their thinking and their plans for their events and then make sure we communicate that back out to the fans so that they were you know kept up up to date on on how things were evolving uh, and so it, it began you know what i what i saw as a really positive kind of industry you know come together around a, a challenge no one had seen before uh ever catherine as one of both brendan's clients as well as having partners of your own how how were you guys tackling this time well i think um when COVID hit in march initially we had the benefit of time on our side so we we're in off-season planning we'd just finished coming off the nfl season so my approach with staff and all our corporate partners during these uncertain times was really over communicating transparency and flexibility i think that was really key. And honestly, that's what our partners expected of us. Um, but quite frankly, it was difficult at first because there were so many unknowns. You know, we were observing and, and learning from the other pro leagues that were in season, seeing how they were content, you know, handling bubble type things, testing, all these things that were so foreign to us. Um, and, and we also had to be disciplined and not spin our wheels and respond to every tweet, every news report, every rumor on the season um, and speculate. Um, and so it really, um, behind the scenes, although we were looking at contingency plans um, and working, working through that, but um, one of the challenges is actually in the, in the age of social media and breaking news is sometimes we couldn't even be proactive with our clients. They were seeing it on that Twitter, you know, that post before we were. And so, we really had all our clients on speed dial and text chains to, you know, we may not have been the first to break the news, but hopefully we were 10 minutes behind. And there was that feeling of I'm on the inner circle. I, I know what's going on. The fact is, is we probably truly didn't know what was going on. Um, but I think things were you know, evolving on a daily basis. So at the very beginning of this, I think we really took a wait and see approach on the outward facing communications, but internally we were obviously behind the scenes trying to work through potential contingency plans on, on what this season could look like. Right. Um, when you, I think one of the terms that comes up right now when we think about sponsorship and partnerships is the true nature of partnerships. Um, Rini, I, you know, as we were going through the prep, it absolutely came clear that, you know, there's no lip service in the word partner, particularly in 2020. Can you tell us a little bit about how you just organically leaned into, um, into that and how partners came to you, came to you 
Yeah. I mean, I think Kathy example I gave on draft, that was one that was really unique and one that we were really trying to figure out how are we going to bring this to life for our fans and our partners called us and said, how can we help you? Because we need you to bring this to life for our fans. And if you tuned in last year, you saw every single prospect, every coach, um, from the comfort of their home and, and in a way that was pretty unified across uh, across the ecosystem of the NFL from our clubs all the way down to every prospect and with our network partners. And so that was a huge lift. And it wasn't it it wasn't fake. I mean, we had to use AWLs to help help collect us through the, cr- the cloud and every single player was communicating through our Bose headphones and connecting through um, all of the connections on in- on Microsoft Teams. So that was all real. And it wasn't it wasn't a fake slap a logo on something. It was authentic to helping us bring that bring that to life. And as we we transitioned into how we were planning for the season, many other partners did that in a variety of ways, even if they were more consumer facing or um, is if I think about how we kept the sidelines clean and how we focused on that integration and working with partners like Gatorade to make sure that we had very specific guidelines and procedures and on how the bottles were utilized, how they used them, how we cleaned them. Uh, Lowe's, who was clearly an essential retail, really worked with our clubs on providing access to a lot of programs that they needed there to make sure that we were they were executing all of the policies that we put into place. And so even if we thought about the promotions and how to pivot marketing to fans for those fans that were home now that usually would go to a stadium to watch a game, many partners really leaned into how they could make that experience at home a really unique one for the fan to bring to life if you're tailgating at home or something like that. And so I think that partnership was something that it's a word that is thrown out a lot. Oh, we're a sponsor or we're a partner, but it was nothing truer to that than, than this season. And we're really thought like they were very thoughtful, but we're so thankful for that partnership. And we don't take it for granted. Um, not that we hope that there's another global pandemic, but we, we do know that we wouldn't have been able to make it through that season. I mean, we, we started on time, we didn't miss a game and we ended the season on time. And that's the heavy lift of the partnerships that we had from our clubs to the union, to our sponsors, licensees, network partners, everybody was in it together for that mutual goal of success. And so we're really thankful for everybody leaning in big time. Yeah. I mean, I definitely heard across the board, across all three of you and in, in numerous conversations, this notion of galvanization. Uh, And Catherine, you talked a little bit about that galvanization around how you even prioritize um, you know, who, who was, who was, who had the capacity to be in marketing and think about expanded budgets versus, um, ones where you had to be more creative. You, you talked a little bit about, uh, that creativity that you, you instilled in your teams, um, to come up with these new solutions. And that was reinvesting in your team. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think, one of the things that, you know, as, as we got deeper into the pandemic is we had to ask a lot of questions first before even you can even jump into creative solutions. You need to know what the, the client's objectives are. And so what we found is we had to ask a lot of questions of our partners and understand how is COVID-19, how is that impacting your business? How is this changing your goals and objectives because we were goals of our organization our clients our brands that we're working with they would they progressed and changed as we deep as we got deeper into the pandemic Um, so our goal was really 
when we were speaking to our clients was how can we adjust our assets or messaging or strategy to help your brand through this pandemic? Like we wanted to be a, an agency, a partner in this to help you get through this, this blip. Um, and so I'll give you an example of, of some brands that changed their strategy midstream and, and we, were, we wanted to be flexible to help them through that with our partnership. So I'll give you an example. So with Budweiser, typically all their activations are around the stadium, the local bars, the game day. Well, we weren't having games with fans. And so really we were able to pivot and work with, with Budweiser to now focus the strategy and the messaging about having beer delivered to your house. So you could watch the game, but have Budweiser delivered to your, your home during the game. So that's just an example. And then maybe with a hospital partner, for example, you know, usually we would do a lot of brand messaging, um, but during the pandemic, we really pivoted a lot of that messaging and creativity around maybe providing food for our first frontline workers, maybe um, helping out with providing PPE equipment um, and, and things like that. So we really were able to change. In fact, our, our owner, Jeffrey Laurie, donated significant um, funds for um, vaccine research here locally. So it was a matter of before we could even start thinking about what the, the solutions were, we had to understand what their objectives were and how it was changing as we progressed in, in that off season. So it definitely evolved and it required trust. I think Rini talks about that a lot with partnerships. That's really important. And just communicating and being flexible and then adding that creative flair and, okay, now how we, can we solve your business problem right now? Because it's very different to what it was six months ago. So that was, that was sort of how we approached it. Yeah, before we talk, you know, and jump into to, to, to more solutions, Rini, really lay out the foundation of this notion of trust, because I think 2020 called for it in spades. And, and that was a big critical success driver, I think. Yeah. As Catherine said, communication was really key. And we had some partners early on, early, like early March come to us and say, listen, you just got to, you have to keep us up to date because as the pandemic is affecting us, we also have, you know, we have commitments with other, other leagues. And look, we, as Catherine said, we had a little bit of the benefit because of timing. And so things were happening ahead of us with either other sports pausing or, or canceling games. And so for us, it was communication. And so we did a lot of calls with partners, um, with Dr. Alan Sills, who ran all of our, um, you know, health and safety initiatives with Jeff Miller, talking about our testing policies and procedures. We were giving them information that maybe they weren't a part of, but it was more about making sure they understand all of the procedures and policies that we were putting in place from the medical side, as well as meeting and, and having Peter O'Reilly, who runs our club business and, and our event strategy, to understand how we're, we're thinking about a lot of these uh, health and health measures and or safety precautions locally in, in markets where there were some fans or no fans. And so we were sort of over the top on communication, which I think helped build that trust. I mean, look, there was no guarantee that any of it was going to work. And we had to pivot on some things. We tried some things that maybe didn't work, but we took a lot of feedback from our partners. And then really, as Catherine gave that example, we really brought them in to, to make sure that they, one, were a part of the process, but two, felt like they could communicate 
to either their consumers or their board members or within their executives to make sure they understood the commitment because they have a lot of, on on the line when they're when they, someone commits and you know buys your, the right to use your IP their goal is to exceed their goals and their expectations and that is technically not during a global pandemic but when it's during a global pandemic you, there's a little bit of a double down um, because at that moment in time, we were somewhat the only game in town for a while, and it was important that we were able to to exceed those expectations. And we had to reimagine a lot of a lot of activations, but really work hard with them on finding those ways to to reach those consumers in, in a smart, responsible way. Brendan, uh, a lot of this comes down to insight and intelligence about what's going on. Um, I, I know that that was a lot of the foundation for for the the strategies you employ. Talk to us a little bit about how, how you handled sort of the moving world and valuation in an unprecedented time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it was complex and, and stressful, right? And, and to give a, a sense, these plans that, that uh, Catherine and Randy are talking about had been laid out years in advance, months in advance, and, and suddenly we're getting redesigned uh, you know, live, right, with with partners, and and we were in the same way. So, um, you know, a lot of our focus uh, is around the events, quite 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 clearly. Uh, and suddenly, the value of of those components uh, changed dramatically. And um, you know, our strategy also clearly changed as a as a sponsor um, uh, because. You know, there aren't tickets to events that don't exist. And so uh, suddenly, suddenly we had to go through and say, you know, what was the valuation of those and, and what was, um, you know, what's our new strategy and what, uh, how are we con communicating to vans about, um, you know, returning to live. And so, uh, it, you know, suddenly we had to go through our plans and then ask those questions. Um, and in an, in an environment of ambiguity, uh, you, you maybe get 40, 50% of those answers out, and then you have to start developing plans um, with a partner who's got uh, lots of other competing interests. Um, and that's that's really where that galvanization uh, that you mentioned, you know, came came through and that trust. Um, and so, you, you know, we double down on uh, on both the relationships uh, with with our clients and saying, um, you know, we 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 had a great relationship coming into this, and now we're happy to be with you and try to figure out the best path out. Um, but then internally, looking at you know what were the valuations of the assets and and the the partnership components in the past, and how do we actually rethink through all of those for for the future. Uh, and so, um, you, you know, quickly going back to plans, quickly going into the data that we had available, uh, and then really, you know, surveying fans and doing a lot of uh, um, asking ourselves, our partners and our fans questions uh, to start rekindling that creative process, which, which is so important for sponsorship partnerships. We're, we're in the area of sports. Safety has always been a core priority. Uh, 2020 only elevated that. Uh, Rini, when you think about the league's commitment to safety, uh, it's always been a, a, a critical need and it moves from critical to have to need to have even more. Um, tell us a little bit about that evolution. Well, when we started thinking about the season and the games, we started at the at the base of the game and making sure that our players, our coaches, and our and our staff were as safe as possible 
as it relates to practice and it, as it as we go into the games themselves. And that went from everything from understanding testing and you know, uh, contact tracing, which we, we dove right into and, and worked in a variety of ways. Frankly, I'm not in the office today, but we still, we're, we're implementing those still in our own office as well as uh, contact tracing every day. And so something that we really dove into and really looked at the tiers of different people who needs to be around a player, who, you know, ultimately like Catherine wouldn't have been in a tier one with players because she doesn't necessarily do her job needing to be around the players per se every day. And so she would have been a different tier within the Eagles associate situation. So we really looked at that as it relates to practice training um, for when they're home with their families, the players, as they were traveling to games, who's traveling to the games with them, where are they going? Where are they staying? And so the process that was put into place just for the game to happen in addition to officiating was pretty, was pretty significant. And then as we looked at the, the next layer of fans and depending on which state and which city we're allowing fans or not, which was, it was across the map. It was totally different. And one thing that we knew we wanted to be consistent. Um, we also had to make sure there was 20 feet from the sideline up into the stands, which were, what you, you would see the seat covers there. So we worked um, understanding guidelines that we needed to have, you know, which is you're in meetings talking about like how screaming and cheering and spit can fly out. Like the, those were weird. I, the fact that I just said that on this panel is weird, but those became kind of normal meetings that we were having. And what was interesting for us and, and being a part of that technical side of keeping the players safe and keeping the fans safe if they were in there and working on different pod systems and they're created opportunities the, you know an added benefit of having a seat cover that was 20 feet you know around eight around eight rows teams could put branding on those it was an added benefit it wasn't we didn't do tarps and seat covers because of branding we did them because of health and safety the added benefit was that we could go in and, and integrate brands there locally. We didn't do pods just to do fan carve outs because it's fun. It was the added benefit that we could go in and do fan carve outs and, and connect that to key charities and tie-ins. So there was a lot of really interesting things on the, on the safety side that we're still working on. As we think about the draft that's coming up, there's still gonna be some elements. And we did this with the Super Bowl where you're going to have some vaccinated um, fans that are gonna be able to attend at the same time. There's going to be pods and you know the word pod is probably in our language now for the rest of eternity of what pod <laughs> are you sitting in? Um, and there's going to be a lot of different you know, you know, I don't know if we're doing air high fives forever, but like a lot of those elements are still a part of play. And we'll probably see a lot of them go into uh, the 2021 season as we're starting to work on those elements now. And a lot of that is dictated on where we are in the timing of the pandemic. What are the state rules and guidelines and what is our our priority is keeping our fans at our players and our employees all safe. Like that's the number one goal. And we, we feel really good about, you know, how we how we handled the season in 2020 and we're still very diligent on making sure we keep everybody safe moving forward but like i will say like if a meteor were to fly down and hit planet earth we're not the avengers you know we're just we're it's we're putting on a sports league during a global pandemic and we're really thankful for all of the uh, the work from the health and health and safety people from cdc from government affairs all of the different states the, the amount of people it takes a village that were working with us on making sure we could do that was was across the board and, and pretty amazing. And so um, we're really thankful for all of those people that raised their hand to help. That's amazing. Um, galvanization. 
and reimagination. Um, as a marketer myself, and I'll pose this question to both Catherine and Brendan, you guys can jump in. Um, as a marketer myself, I care about what fans are thinking, what they're saying. Um, how does that, how is what you've heard? Well, first of all, what have you heard? Um, and, and how does that kind of change the objective of what you need to deliver for both yourself and your partners? Yeah, I mean, I, I can kick that off, Kat. Um, I would say relating to fans, you know, we, we wanted to put on a safe event. Um, so for context, we only had three games throughout the season that had 5,500 fans um, and it was sort of around mid-season. So we actually engaged a consultant because I think Ree said, it, you know, we're not all experts in, we, we rely on a lot of experts, a lot smarter than us to, to provide us with great guidelines. And so we engaged a consultant and really um, they actually helped us put together this 80 page document and it really outlined all our protocols to safely operate a game. Um, with limited fans. And so it was a real cross-functional effort. So it was everything from food and beverage. Okay, every second stall in the restrooms, we have to like close the door. And, and you know, the, the level of, de it was excruciating detail, but it was it was really important. And, you know, we had to present that to the city, city um, where our stadium is located and also to the governor's office um, because we needed to show that we could put on an event in a safe manner and that we had thought through every detail to allow that to happen. And so it was really important for us to communicate ahead of time to our fans because we weren't uncertain to how comfortable they were to come out to, to a sporting event. And so we had a lot of... Um, communications, you know, we we went to great lengths to communicate all the details re relating to returning safely to the stadium. We created a like no before you go, which covered everything from social distancing, food service, mask wearing, cashless transactions, everything that was going to be implemented. And what was really interesting is, um, you know, we obviously filled our 5,500 uh, seats because we have passionate fans here in Philadelphia. But in fact, it was interesting that our post-game surveys, when we asked them, did they feel safe about coming to a game, over 94% of the fans stated they felt safe attending an Eagles game. And in fact, they actually liked it because if you've ever been to an Eagles game, the traffic coming to the stadium, the traffic leading, you know, maybe the lines in the concession stands to grab a grab a beverage, they're not always short. So the, the 5,500 fans that came to those three games were, had an incredible experience and their survey data said that they felt that they were safe coming to an, to an NFL game, which I think um, was a really good sign. And, you know, now moving into the upcoming season, our goal is to play in front of a full stadium. And that's... Um, that's a good step towards that, knowing the fan sentiment. Definitely. Yeah, from, from, from our view, the, the first thing that we started hearing back was the fans were eager to come back. Uh, and, you know, shocking, um, shockingly, uh, you know, even more so uh, as time has gone on. And so uh, we saw that both in surveys, and so we had a lot. We, had, we started kind of regularly talking to fans and finding out, uh, you know, how their thoughts were evolving over time and, and by state. Um, but then also we saw it in in um, uh, refund numbers, you know, across the U.S. where. 
uh, when, a, when an event has been postponed, uh, you know, we were seeing 83% of fans choosing to keep those tickets, which is shocking when they didn't know when that new uh, event would land or hadn't planned for it. And so the demand uh, is really there, which has been exciting. Um, but then we started having lots of questions uh, come, come into us from clients around, okay, what's important to tell our fans and how does that change? And, and we started looking at um, the, some of those survey results in our clients' data and saying um, things like, you know, sanitizing your environment and kind of sharing that, that effort with uh, your fans um, helps put people at ease uh, and make sure that they know that they'll, they'll come into an environment that they can feel safe. And it's fantastic that um, they, they did in, in those, those instances. And so really um, began a bit of, you know, delving into the, the data around, you know, each of our clients, individual fans, uh, and understanding, you know, what was most important um, uh, for those fans to, to return because they, they desperately wanted to get back into, uh, into the events. amazing set of work that happened, um, a lot of which has led to sort of some permanent reimagination and evolution. I'd like to spend just a moment talking about some of the innovation that really was born out of the crisis. You never let a good crisis go to waste, uh, and this was no different. Um, Catherine, you touched on it briefly, but this notion of cashless has always been sort of an important step in in sort of the evolution, but now it became really critical. Talk us through how some of those innovations were born. You guys were thinking of them well in advance, but talk us through that. Yeah, I think it, as an organization, you know, a strategy is always how, you know, cashless is a is an interesting strategy. A lot of stadiums have um, already taken that that step. And for us, this was a big one, transforming our stadium to cashless. You know, it, it, it was a huge task um, given that approximately 60% of our transactions on a, a game day basis were cash, not cashless, 60% right. cash. And so um, I think prior to the pandemic, we would, we would have taken a more phased approach um, because it was such a, a large percentage of our transactions were cash. But um, we ripped off the Band-Aid and switched to cashless in, you know, in a matter of months. And um, so we feel like the pandemic actually expedited or, or, or forced the innovation in a, in a very fast way um, to execute. And we were able to execute that. So that was just a, um, an awesome silver lining of, um, you know, things that happened during a pandemic. We transformed our, our stadium to cashless. And so very very exciting development for the Eagles. Speaking of exciting developments, uh, Brendan, uh, you you and Ticketmaster have been at this digital ticketing game for some period. Tell us about how COVID could have been an accelerant to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it was uh, amazing and, and, and great to see, right? So as you said, digital ticketing has been has been taking off, uh, and it's a it has been a phased approach, right? And so, um, you know, going from from a quarter of tickets being digital in in a, in a major league to three quarters over several years, and then suddenly overnight, uh, you know, the the ninety eight to one hundred percent digital tickets. 
um, uh, suddenly changed all the processes around how uh, events are, are managed. And so um, where we were pushing that for, for you know, uh, fan um, ease and convenience, uh, really suddenly there was a strong safety component to it. And a, um, uh, and an ease of management, right? You wanted to be able to transfer your tickets without traveling to a friend and, and handing them a ticket, right? Uh, and so the ability to do that was uh, was was dramatically more important uh, in, in this time. And so um, the percentage of digital tickets that we've seen is uh, is amazing. And it couldn't, again, you know, going back to the galvanization, it couldn't have happened without a lot of people understanding and, and rethinking through how to do their day jobs um as uh, as as these things have changed so we, we saw a huge uptick and and um uh uh acceleration of digital ticketing which is um i think here to stay Catherine, i'll come back to you for one more innovation which is you also use this opportunity to democratize that that game day experience in a different way i'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you work with your partners to think through that yeah, I, I think even prior to COVID, the reality is that only 1% of our Eagles fans actually ever get to attend a game. So, you know, our Eagles are already consuming our brand, our games through many different ways. And so um, we were already leaning in and focusing on, on more social and digital assets and, and different ways for our, you know, our fans to consume our brand. Um, I think some of the the fun ones that really started to um, emerge during COVID was TikTok. That was an that that was our largest growth um, social media channel. I think year right. over year it grew over eighty three percent. But I also um, one of the interesting stars um, or assets that we've really leaned into is our podcasts. Um, you know, we we definitely um, see them as a growth opportunity because. You can have so many topics. It doesn't have to be X's and O's. It, it's learning about the players off the field. There's so many different ways to, to do that. And it, I think that's a, a real, real growth area. Um, you know, podcasts are hot right now. So we anticipate our portfolio of podcasts to, to continue to grow. And then the other interesting innovation was really around, um, uh, what do we call I call it um, voice-enabled devices. Um, so think of Amazon Alexa, you know, Google Home devices. Um, so utilizing that technology that's appearing in everyone's homes to get their, their daily fix of Eagles updates. So think about it. You get up in the morning, you grab your cup of coffee. I say, Alexa, I want my Eagles update. And we have a one to two minute update on what's going on in Eagles world, which is usually a lot. Uh, so leaning in on that technology and, and creating content that's relevant um, outside of just our games, I think was an innovation and something that we continue to lean in um, and allow our fans to access and, and have behind the scenes um, information on, on the team and on the brand. Awesome. Well, I'm going to wrap on a question for all three of you as we think about the future uh, and we think about success in how we make deals going forward. What's here to stay? What are you excited about? And, and Rini, talk to us about success. Look, no one's going to like what I have to say, 
but I think that this virtual world is here to stay. And I, I, may, I say that jokingly because people are like, oh, I'm so sick of doing virtual calls, but we didn't know what we needed until we had it. And I have a prop, I'm gonna show this picture. So this is a picture, I don't know, oh, I'm, I'm blurred. So there it is, you can see it there, but it's Rich Eisen, Deion Sanders, Kevin Hart, Tom Brady, and Michael Strahan. That's a blow your mind moment that we had during the draft-a-thon because of this virtual world, because now all of a sudden we can get into someone's home. We can actually be, and this is the like, again, Tom Brady is in his house in Tampa with Giselle in this moment. And I'm, you know, I'm on the other side of that. And I think that for marketers, there's television, there's digital, there's social, there's on the ground, there's retail. And now there's this virtual world that because we are closer to consumers now, this one-on-one -on -one experience, like being in person, the access, the flexibility, the ability, the timing, it takes no time to just sit down and, and do a, a Teams call that I think that's here to stay. And I, and, and for those that are sick of doing them and want to see people, I see people, it's great. And it's great to be able to have this access too. And so I think that's something that we're going to continue to see as a really important part of synergy um, as we continue to grow brands in our, in our sport, because again, we didn't really know we needed it. You know, there's FaceTime and, and that's really interesting. I do that with my mom and my grandmother, to, but to be able to have that integration into the Philadelphia Eagles, if you're a diehard Eagles fan, it's pretty cool. And I don't think that that's gonna go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of cool things that we did virtually, I think will, will be here to stay as well. Like a lot of B2B type events, uh, events where you know we have partners that are all around the country and we invite them to events every year and they can never make it you know we have clients in new york we have clients in la chicago so we did you know i think some virtual type events are a new way to engage partners that aren't in your local market i mean the best example i had is we we actually tapped into a, a very very well-known chef and we did a um a virtual chef session mm -hmm. uh and we invited all our clients, and I couldn't believe how many key decision makers and stakeholders showed up. We made this incredible Italian dish virtually with the chef. We had the ingredients arrive at their house and everyone was engaged. And it was a fun touch point because we were seeing, you know, our CEO of, you know, Pepsi's uh, kitchen in the background. And so, you know, it was, it was a great way to engage. But I do think a lot of virtual things that we tried during the pandemic, I think a blend of those will stay um, on, a, on, a, on a go forward basis. Yeah, absolutely. The, the virtual addition to, to our world has been amazing. And, and if I think about you know, sp sponsorships and the partnerships that we've had, like this, this is the creativity you talk about the tarps, and, uh, but um, this is the, a new world and being creative uh, in finding those opportunities. Um, is 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 here, and the the components and the ingredients, uh, right, has been around the trust that we talked about, um, and then uh, it, you know thinking about the world differently, and then also going back to you know designing for flexibility. I think is going to be something that we do uh, more so going forward, um, because we know that the world's ever evolving and it's speeding up, and we have these new areas that we want to be creative. So arming ourselves for that and these partnerships. Uh, is is going to be is going to be fantastic moving forward. So super excited about some of those those takeaways. So I'm peeking through the questions that we're getting from the audience right now, and I think we've got time for for one bigger question. Um, 
And I'm going to kind of jam two ideas together. Um, but you talk about evolution, you talk about innovation and creativity in this time. There's a lot of thematics that are, that are, you know, aside from COVID, um, but sports betting, the rise of collectibles, NFTs, et cetera. How do you think this is changing this, the partnership and sponsorship space um, from, from the seat that you sit on? I'll, I'll go first. I, I would just say the engagement levels and look, COVID brought in some really unique engagement and behaviors really changed. So we saw a huge uptick in on our NFL shop sales, obviously. And but it was interesting to see where that shift was. Collectibles was an was a really big one. And we saw that um, as as an area that, you know, again, people spending their time really diving into historical things. And that ties into a lot of the collectibles. And so I think that 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 consumer, their behavior and the way that it shifts is driving a lot of these areas within legalized sports betting, within NFTs, and you're going to see that engagement continue to push. And I think what we're seeing in those spaces is that the traditional brands that are categories of sponsorship that have always been around, they're probably going to be pushed a little bit to be innovative at these other new categories that are brand new. There are kind of no rules. It's a little like the wild, wild west. And so we have to make sure that, you know, we're really conservative at the NFL and we have a lot of guidelines and rules, but what's been exciting is we can, we can do them in a very different way. If I think about the LSB category, it doesn't have to be within the same guidelines as a traditional um, you know, uh, auto category, maybe brand would be. And so we get to build this from the ground up, same with the NFT business and really think about all of the different swim lanes that NFTs could potentially live in. But the, the end result is how does it help the consumer? How does it get them engaged with our sport even deeper? And so that's what we're really excited about as we think about that engagement that has happened, these new businesses that are really taking advantage of that. And it's how it's making us think in a smarter way, um, but really that end result of what's the really growth opportunity and, and engagement for that fan. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would, I would agree with everything Rini said. I think the other piece, all of these new new fads and exciting new uh, industries are create fan engagement. I think that's that's we want to engage our fans in so many different ways. I think the one that Rini didn't mention was like esports. Um, for us, you know, the the Madden game. Um, it gets that younger generation of of fans excited about our sport. Um, I can tell you my 14-year-old knows more about the player ratings um, on, via the Madden game and tells me if, the, if we're making a good trade or not based on player ratings. So, But think about that, that statement alone. It's, it's engaging our younger audiences and continuing to build our fandom base. So for us, that, that's an important um, opportunity as well as, and obviously legalized sports betting and NFTs, a whole new category that we're all learning very quickly about. Like there's there's a lot of opportunities and, and we want to do them the right way. I think to Rini's point, we want to um, figure out ways to work with um, these new types of industries and, and create new fan engagement opportunities. Yeah, the, the, for me, the first thing is uh, th this is uh, a sign of the, the continued excitement around uh, sports and, and live events and, and, you know, the fact that this is um, uh, a multifaceted, multi-channel engagement with fans um, is, is indicative of that. 
Uh, and the innovation around some of these new technologies is, uh, is, is fascinating. We're looking into lot, lots of these components and um, it, it sparks creativity again, which is fantastic. Because uh, that's, I think, where you know, um, it, you know, groups like ours uh, and especially in the sponsorship space, this is where the, the emerging edge of, of partnerships can go. And so um, it's super, super exciting uh, to, to see that and see that uptick. Well, thank, thank all of you for an incredible conversation that really kind of is, is indicative of the problem solving, the tenacity and, and the creativity that it takes to, to weather the storm, but also to come out stronger. Um, and so I know that each and every one of these organizations um, are, are poised for success. And so thank you for the time um, and thank you for the incredible conversation. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This recording is the property of 42 Analytics and may not be published, broadcast, rewritten, or redistributed without the express written consent of 42 Analytics. Any opinions expressed by panelists are their own and do not represent the beliefs of the conference, 42 Analytics, or the MIT Sloan School of Management. 42 Analytics Educational, Inc. reserves all rights in the content.